Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast. I am Megan Robinson, joined as always by Justin Southwell and Eve Batoba. Guys, a little tough to believe after the rough weekend that we had, Pokes drop into two and one after a rough loss to South Alabama. Yeah, it's one of those moves where you, uh, you know, you want to stay loyal and true. You're part of the OK State community. At the same time, you're dying inside. You're just like, come on, is this a nightmare? What are we doing? We just lost to South Alabama. Hopefully, South Alabama turns out to be like a great. A great team that goes on to win the FCS national championship or whatever, but yeah, it's uh, it's one of those losses that definitely, definitely stings. And there are some OSU faithful who I follow on X, formerly known as Twitter, who I'm friends with on Facebook, and they'll say things like, "Hey, that was probably the worst loss of Gundy's tenure," and just you know, a, a lot of flat out embarrassment. I was there at the game, and I saw everybody that was leaving there early. And man, yeah, that was uh, that was rough to be a part of. I ain't gonna lie. Hey, I still had a good time. Uh, had a chance. Time. Had a chance to be a great time, but it was still a good time. And I learned some stuff this weekend. Found out that Meg makes some scrumptious chocolate chip cookies, and I'm pretty sure that you're gonna need to bring those for admittance to our tailgate moving forward. Straight up. I got to hang out with some of the old crew. That's right. Y'all saw some pictures on Instagram, I'm sure. But yeah, Anthony Hill was in town. Perry Watson, Justin Blackman, fan of the pod, by the way. So Justin, thanks for listening. Yeah, let uh, me just say, by the way, because so I'm I'm there, you know, Blackman's there. And he was like, yeah, I listened to the Believe in OK State pod. I'm like, you know, I think he's just being polite while he's saying that. And then he goes on to just straight up starts quoting some of the stuff that we say. He's like, hey, Bix, Bix was right. Like, he starts saying all this stuff. I'm like, yo, you actually listened to the episode. He called out Keaton a couple different times. He was like, come on, man. He told this story about, you know, girlfriend or trying to date his girlfriend's friend or something. He was like, come on, man. Like, you really think that happened? That that, that, that was Cap. And he was like, I'm a little offended that you didn't call him out whenever he said that. And I'm, uh, I just want to set the record clear on air. Justin was not doing what he was accused of by Keaton. But yeah, man, it was uh, it was actually really fun. And Justin himself said, you can't go on the next episode and lie because I will just go and, and find create a burner account and comment. No, Justin, uh, no, he'll, he'll say um, Eve was actually just talking to somebody the entire game. So he didn't even watch the game. <laughs> so yeah, Justin and I sat right next to each other. We spoke for three hours straight. Like we just, I barely watched the game because I was talking to black men almost the entire game. 
But no, it, it was a great time from that standpoint. So I'm actually kind of glad that I that I just caught a glimpse of the game because I, I may have been depressed. We all gave Bixby a hard time last week, myself included, but he Bixby knows. He Bixby knows. he knew. Better record than us. He does. We are all two and one. He is he is three and oh. We'll see what he does this week later in the show. No spoiler alerts. And uh yeah, I, I had to also say, you know, being up there, we got to see um Mike Boynton. It was such a crazy thing. So it's one of those situations where I saw him. And obviously recognized him. So I don't know why, but I, I waved to him like he was just an old friend. And <laughs> he straight up was like, hey, you know. And so I went up and shook his hand, introduced myself and my wife. And it could have been one of those situations where it was a quick meet and greet. Nice to meet you. Move on really quickly kind of thing. But no, like he he hung around and he uh, he was with us for a few minutes and asking us questions about what we did for a living and things like that. So it was a really nice gesture of him to take some time out of his day and let us enjoy his company. So I had to give a shout out to my guy, Mike, to Mike Boynton. Boynton. And here's how I knew that Mike actually knew who I was, was because I introduced myself as Eve, right? And then whenever we were leaving, he goes, hey, it was great meeting you, Eves. And he said the S at the end. I was like, I never said the S. So he, I was like, okay, he actually do. He just mispronouncing my name. So yeah, that was, uh, yeah, it, it was cool that he took the time out and just speak to us there. Yeah, Boynton's, Boynton's a, a good guy. And yeah, Justin, it's so funny. There are sometimes there are people where you just like see them and you're like, I know you. It's like, I, I, I've I never met you in my life, but I see you every basketball game on TV. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I do know you essentially. And it's like, wait a second, yeah. really? Not at all. Not at all. So Yeah, the entire basketball team came by uh, the suite where we were and it was really cool. They actually, so Boynton called Blackman to come and, you know, meet the team. And Blackman had a couple of different words to say to the team, uh, really about the mindset of being an elite athlete. And let me just tell y'all something from that three hour conversation that Blackman and I had. One of the things that really, really stuck out is his ability to tap into what makes an athlete elite and like what goes into the mindset of that. And he spoke about that at length. And uh, you know, actually, one of the people that he knows that he helps train is the quarterback at South Alabama. Like he knows his dad and he helped train the QB. And he was just like, yo, that dude's nice. I'm telling y'all right now. And that guy's nice. This is before the game even like, you know, got out of hand. And, you know, next thing you know, here we are. Game's out of hand and the dude was nice, as Blackman said. Guys, I don't want to spend too much time living in the past 24-hour rule. I understand that. But we do have to talk about what went down on Saturday first South. Alabama. The biggest question mark still is that we do not have a quarterback. When you look at the quarterback statistics, if you make them one person, they combined to go 16 for 35, 16 of 35 for 114 yards. Gundy said in his press conference on Monday, he is sticking with the rotation. How do we feel about our QP QB plan going forward? No, it was kind of a weird day of college football just from an overall standpoint. Like Georgia started off slow against South Carolina. Alabama started off slow against South Florida. And then we started off slow to South Alabama and just never recovered. And hey, before we even move on, I have to admit I was wrong. Now, never did I say that South Alabama was a bad team. I recognized that they had preseason top 25 votes. 
I recognized their record from the previous year and the returning starters that they had and the additions they made in the transfer portal. But two weeks ago, Tulane laid out a perfect game plan of how to beat South Alabama. And I thought that OSU would be able to, to, to simply do that, throw it deep against the worst passing defense in college football. And our guys over at Feels Like 45, they pointed out that there was only one completion past 15 yards downfield. Just completely garbage. So this is the result you get when you treat the non-conference like an NFL preseason game and the team you're up against treats it like the Super Bowl. Yeah. So we're yeah. going to stick around with this three quarterback rotation moving into conference play. Now I don't feel good about it. I just, how can you, how can you feel how good about you? it? Yeah. It almost makes you think that they hardly prepped for this game and they were thinking ahead to Iowa state. The way that we laid an egg out there makes you think that they weren't even watching film and just kind of overlooking South Alabama when they should have been giving it, <laughs> giving them their full, full attention. And the fact that we still don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be is extremely concerning. You know, the way I see it, we roll out there with a QB. And just like I talked about last week, we have to determine a who is going to be the go-to person at receiver, who is going to be the go-to person at running back. And we just start, you know, like feeding these individuals the ball. You know, Ollie Gordon, he's not getting any touches. Brennan Presley, is he still on the team? What is going on over here? He's not getting any touches. The people that I feel the the feel the people that I feel the most bad for, honestly, are the ones who going into the season were expecting to take their game to a higher level, were hoping to, you know, get a shot in the NFL. And so far, it doesn't seem like there is that type of urgency. So far, it seems like the coaching staff is a little bit lackadaisical. And I, I won't say that on the defensive end as much as it is on the offensive side of the, of the ball. And honestly, the offensive line, I said last time, that was the unit that I was going to be paying the most attention to. And all they did was disappoint, to be quite frank. And, yeah, it's hard, hard to watch. And I know there are some guys on the team who listen to this, to this, uh, to this podcast. And, you know, sorry if it feels like I'm taking shots at you guys. But, yo, you can't tell me that you disagree with what I'm saying right now. And hopefully, you know, you all can – rally call the players only meeting if you have to turn this ship around because i truly truly believe the only way that this thing is going to be turned around is if it's up to the players to turn this thing around because so far what we're seeing from the coaching staff is not promising i truly truly believe we have the talent in the locker room hands down and for a big 12 championship i won no no i Okay, but I think overall, we have the talent that we can, like, on paper and even proven, like, Ollie Gordon is a very good running back. Oh, yeah. Jaden Nixon is a very good running back. Jaden Bray is a very good receiver. Stribling, hope he gets healthy soon. He's a very good receiver. BP, very, like, we have the players to Absolutely. contend for a Big 12 championship. Do we Come know on. if any of the quarterbacks are good? I, I think if you can have a if you have a quarterback who can manage the game, they don't need to be great. Yeah. They need to be solid. They don't they don't need to be a phenomenal quarterback. I that if if you can manage the game, if you can hold on to the ball, make smart decisions, not turn it over, 
-hmm. you can contend in the Big 12 for a Big 12 championship. And with that comes college football playoff conversations as long as your record is decent. You know, we're not talking about like a eight and four Purdue or Iowa, whoever played in the Big 10 last year. You know, as long as you have one or two losses, you can then maybe be in the conversation, especially if South Alabama is as good as I think they might be. You know, like I think that they are. CFP? No, but I do think that they're a lot better than people gave them credit for. Yeah. And I don't think that that was like a scrub team, you know, because again, they're um, they're FBS. They're not FCS. That's right. Yeah, my bad. So they are, they are in the Sun Belt Conference. So I do think that, like, let's not, let's not completely poop all over South Alabama because I don't think they're this terrible, terrible team that we yeah. should have had no business. We, we should have won that game, yes, but we also did not execute because, like Justin said, I don't think we prepared for that. But I'm saying we have the talent in the locker room to contend for a Big 12 championship. We have players who want to go out there and win. They have said that the, the attitudes are better. The problems are, are gone. They left with the transfer portal or what have yeah, you. Different set of problems. <laughs> different but, set of yeah. problems. My, my point is that the talent is there. I don't think the coaches are setting these players up for success. Mm. I think that is the biggest issue right now by week one against central Arkansas. It was, we're playing a whole rotation of guys to see who fits together, to see who works against Arizona state, a little less of a rotation. You still have the three quarterback system. We got lucky. Our defense figured it out. We had a scoreless second half. I think you need even scoreless three quarters. Someone said, I would need to check the box score again. We got lucky that those two games that worked out for us, South Alabama exposed us. You can't have these rotations on the broadcast. They're talking about, you know, is, is having a three quarterback rotation. Well, obviously there's issues, but in practice, the ones aren't getting reps with a consistent quarterback. They can't build a rapport with one quarterback because you have three guys rotating in. So how do you build chemistry when you're not all practicing consistently together? That is an issue. That is an issue. And my biggest thing with watching this game on Saturday, because I was not sitting and talking to Justin Blackman for three hours, I was very much locked in on this game. <laughs> it felt like there was no urgency. You are down 23 to nothing late in the third quarter. You're kind of out of it, but it's like if you can get a drive together, you are drive, stop, drive, you know, like touchdown, stop, touchdown, stop. You are not completely out of it. It took them over six minutes and 17 plays to go down the field and score a touchdown. Mm. Now I understand you want to keep the other team off the field and keep them from scoring, but you're running out of time. We got to get some fast points. You have no urgency. Oh, and by the way, guys, we have different clock rules this season. So at the end of the the game, you can run out the clock because it's not going to stop for first downs. So the clock then becomes a huge factor in college football that we haven't seen in the past because of this new rule. So like, what were we, why was there no urgency to score as fast as possible? Get your defense out there, get a stop, get the ball back and do it again. <laughs> yeah. Because like literally, I mean, I said it earlier, the way to beat South Alabama is in the passing game because they were giving up deep play after deep play after deep play against Tulane. And even when we're down, we didn't do that. I don't know what we we're thinking. Yeah. I like it, it doesn't make any sense to me. The the lack of urgency was infuriating, Meg. I will agree. And I also agree that we have the talent to make a Big 12 championship run. Granted, I think that that's because of the way that the schedule sets up. It's not necessarily because of the overwhelming like talent level that we have because 
we kind of get a few breaks based on our schedule. Um, that being said, I think we definitely need to recalibrate expectations. And at this point, just hope to get bowl eligible because while yes, South Alabama is a good team. Like I said, one of the worst passing defenses in the NCAA and you couldn't move the ball against them. That's a major issue. That's a, that's a concern. Seems like honestly that that's the theme of this season so far. Lack of urgency. I think that you can say that for all three games that we have played already. There just doesn't seem to be a sense of urgency. So yeah, we, we got to find a way to solve that. And yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking about this too. You know, Charlie Dickey had such a great offensive line whenever he was at Kansas State. And, you know, he, he had different personnel, of course, but you would think that some of that would come down with him whenever he came to Stillwater, Oklahoma. And we just haven't seen it his entire tenure that he's been here. And I started thinking, is it because of, you know, him as a coach? Is it because of the personnel or is it because of the entire offensive scheme? And it just doesn't allow for, uh, you know, what, K what Casey Dunn has uh, planned. Um, you know, for for the way that we're blocking, right? Like there's so many different questions to figure out there. And I'm so surprised that they haven't yet figured it out because the old line hasn't been good in years. So yeah, that that is one piece right there that's just really, really puzzling to me. Going back to the quarterback situation, as much as I want a decision to be made, even though it won't, you know, you see it in the NFL with the Saints. They would use Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. He would come in for Wildcat, different offensive packages. You'd have Taysom Hill come in. Last night, on Monday night, if you guys watched the Saints and the Panthers yeah. at all, there was one play in particular where it was like fourth and inches for the Panthers, and they brought in Andy Dalton to run a QB sneak over Bryce Young because he's just a little bit bigger of a guy and has a better chance of getting that because Bryce is on the smaller side for a quarterback. I'm okay with using quarterbacks, multiple quarterbacks in that sense, where it's like, you know what, Bowman's a little bit taller on this sneak. We think he can jump up and over the pile and into the end zone, or, you know, we're going to run a wildcat with Rangel or who, you know, insert name here, whatever. But to have this rotation of you're playing four series, you're playing four series, no one can get into a rhythm. And they're all doing the same thing. Exactly. The and thing. they're all doing the same thing. It's not like there's a unique distinction between all three quarterbacks. We don't even know what everybody's like best trait or quality is yet. I would have rather than say, you know what, we're going to play Bowman game one, Rangel game two, Gundy game three. Everyone gets a full game or play half, like, like split halves or, you know, like yeah, split halves, split halves definitely makes sense. I feel like if you do one game, one game, one game, you're still kind of left wondering who do we go with? And That's if fair. Rangel had the game of his life against central Arkansas and you sit him for two games and then bring him in against Iowa state, just because he's the best quarterback. Well, now he's out of rhythm because he hasn't played for two straight weeks. And then you got to turn around and start him on the road in conference play. So That's I think split halves definitely make more sense than whatever we've been doing with this four series, four series and not knowing what we're doing still. But then was it Gundy who was second? I can't keep it straight. Rangel, who whoever came in second, they got like a one minute series, the end of the first half. And then the second half they started like, Oh, he's on his yeah. fifth series. Is this fit? Like they're like, Oh, should we read into this? Cause he's, it was, I think it was Gundy. It's like, he's right. on his fifth yeah. series. Should we read into it? Is he the guy? And it's like, no, because that last drive didn't really count. Cause it was only a minute or whatever. And it's just like, I, you know, 16 of 20 of 35, like, if that's one quarterback, that's not good for a hundred, no. like a little over a hundred yards. Like Terrible. it's not even a good one quarterback. I'm glad you said that. Cause 
Gundy said they all played pretty well. And I don't know. I guess the bar yeah, has I been just, lowered significantly because this is the same guy who said Mason Rudolph just played okay whenever he threw for 450 yards and five touchdowns. Maybe it's this weird thing where if your quarterbacks stink, you tell them that they played well as a way of encouragement. And that way they, you know, have some positive energy or something like that. But if they put up video game numbers, you slide it a little bit so that they have the motivation to keep putting up numbers like that. I don't really know, but the rotation thing, we're figuring it out. It doesn't work. Gundy, do your job, name a starting quarterback and then done set them up for success. Whoever it is like it's time to start winning games. There needs to be like we've said, the sense of urgency. And as far as we can tell, based on what we've been told, we are not doing that going into the Iowa state game. Guys, I just need to, okay. So first of all, I want to preface this by saying I hate QBR. I, it's not a made up stat. I know there's a lot of analytics that go into it. I just, I don't love QBR as a stat. I don't read too much into it. That being said, people do. And I want to go down our QBR for this, this past weekend with our quarterbacks. Gunnar Gundy had a QBR of 21.6. Alan Bowman's was 2.3 and Garrett Rangel's was 3.1. To be fair, they had a very small sample size because Garrett Rangel had five pass attempts. He threw for eight yards. Bowman threw for 42 yards and Gundy threw for 64 yards. So there really isn't that much to work with when they're not. Well, that's not true. Gundy had 18 attempts and and Bowman had 12, whereas Rangel only had five. So it's but again, how do you how do you grade these guys? How do you judge them yeah. when they're not getting a ton of reps on the field? So of course they're gonna say you can't make a decision because you don't have a large enough sample size to choose from. Yeah. I mean, but what what's happening on the field, everybody can see. And I think that anybody can go to any OK State podcast and they're gonna share a lot of the same sentiments that we're sharing. What I just want to say is this is one of those games because of the way that we performed because we're doing a three quarterback rotational system. Okay. Rotational program here. And because we lost, if we go against Iowa state and we lay an egg and we lose again, now there's real potential that you're going to lose the locker room as a coaching staff. Yes. And whenever you lose the locker room, all of that great momentum that was in the off season, all the positive talk, all of Brandon Presley showing tremendous leadership, even in the post game press conferences, a lot of that is in jeopardy. Right. That goes at risk. So we better make darn sure that we are prepping the way that we need to prep, practicing the way that we need to practice and making decisions as a coaching staff the way that we should be coaching Um, because things get away real quick. What you're saying is 100 percent true. I will say if there is anything positive to say about this loss, it's that I felt like the players in their postgame interview still showed a lot of leadership and poise and maturity for across the board, like great post-game interviews. Actually, I'm getting more information out of them than I am the coaches at this point, Mm -hmm. which is just take that for what it is. But that absolutely has a chance to go down real quick. If something, something doesn't start clicking. Yeah. I mean, look, if there if there is another positive, too, I think you could look at uh, actually, Justin, you said it best on X, formerly known as Twitter, when you said uh, every situation and team is different. But in 2007, how many people were asking how many games will Michigan win this season after a home loss at Appalachian State? And they still ended up winning nine games. So 
there's still some room for optimism. OK State can bounce back. This could be one of those games that is a season-defining game that leads to, hey, this is a wake-up call, and we have to do things differently. So I am still holding out uh, you know, on, on, on my optimism here, and hopefully things can turn around really quickly. I've said, I've said, again, we've gone through the schedule and just different teams, like don't sleep on teams. Come to play every week. And I, I have said that about, I don't know if I've said that specifically about South Alabama in our earlier things, but I think that that was part of the problem on Saturday is like, Justin, you said it, they didn't come prepared. They didn't come to play. They were looking ahead. I think it was Justin who said it earlier. They were looking ahead at big 12 play. It was, sorry, Eve. It was Eve. Sorry. Sorry. Eve said it. Eve said it. Yeah. You know what? I was talking trash. I was talking mad trash. I said we were going to win 40 to three and it was almost the opposite, right? They almost won 40 to three. Right. And then I had all these UCF fans hitting me up on Twitter Asking me if I was going to take back what I said about UCF and Gus Maza, like all this stuff. And I'm like, look, hey, if you ain't going to do it for the team, OK, stay, do it for me. All right. Save me. Amen. I ain't trying to get roasted every single week this season. <laughs> do it for Eve, please. I'm just saying, I think that if we had come with a better game plan ready to play, it would have been a different story. Like we were outplayed, but not because south alabama has more talent like again we have the talent there you just have to execute week in and week out yep i don't i don't necessarily think it's the players like uh people were talking about they had they had a great week of practice and it sounds like you know they were somewhat prepared but then whenever it got on the field oh my gosh like it just it just didn't turn out that way yeah Lesson learned, bounce back, 24-hour rule, move on. Hey, yep. Casey Dunn, man. Casey Dunn, you are on the hot seat, my guy. Come on. Bro, okay. I've got to shake. I got I to gotta just say it. Like, hey, say it. Casey Dunn is not a good offensive coordinator. He ain't it. The experiment is over. And we, we have enough proof at this point to back it up. Now, I understand and empathize with Coach Gundy that you don't want to mess with people's family. Yeah. And you don't want to fire somebody – it's been an asset to Oklahoma State football over the past decade. But if you want to keep him on staff, let him go back to coaching receivers. You can still pay him money. That's his strength. Play calling is not. And Gundy needs to look at it objectively. And I think we're maybe just getting a little bit caught up at the overall record, maybe even still riding high from that 2021 season with the comeback Fiesta Bowl victory over Notre Dame. But most of that, if we're being honest, was thanks to Jim Knowles in that mm. defense, mm. not Casey Dunn. Right? Last, last season, we blamed injuries. And I thought that that whole post game from the bowl after getting beat by Wisconsin was going to be enough to light a fire under Gundy and Dickey and Dunn with their backs against the so wall. How are you going to respond? What are you going to do with your last chance? Are you going to coach like your family depends on it? Mm. Okay, this season, everybody's healthy to start off the year. And it's been a continuation of exactly what we saw when we were blaming injuries last season. We've got South Alabama linebackers basically talking about how easy it was to defend our offense because everything was in slow motion for them based on what they saw in practice last week. I don't know what happened to letting Alan Bowman get under center and hand the ball off to Ollie Gordon, but we're not scheming 
ways for these guys to succeed, not scheming for ways for Brennan Presley to get open. I mean, getting the ball in space and then, I don't know, like Gundy says we don't have any major issues, but in my opinion, there's a glaring we have issue. one major issue and it's because of an inept coaching job from the offensive coordinator. If you want to keep him on the staff, like I said, send him back to receivers, to but this experiment's over. It's not working out. Hey, you got to have that tough conversation. Say, look, either you go back to doing this or we might have to make a change altogether, man. Talk your talk, Justin. And you know what makes it even worse is whenever you're asking him the question after the game or the following day and his response is, I got to look at it and see if what I'm calling is putting our guys in a position to hold. Maybe it's me. I don't know. That's not encouraging at all. <laughs> Coach, wow. what are we talking about? Like, I think it, it is up to you to know. Like, you got to be able to analyze this at a, at, a, at a deeper level. I mean, look, I know it's easier for me to say, and I empathize a lot with, with, with coaches, having spent so much time with coaches. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to get results. And, um, you know, three games into it's the business. season. It's a business, yeah. Eve. Yeah, three games into the season, I think I can honestly say – I've seen enough <laughs> between the, these three games and what we saw last season, especially oh. after Spencer Sanders was gone, even while Spencer was playing, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think Eve, I've seen enough. Bro. That's the whole point. It is not just the loss to South Alabama. This is an ongoing reoccurring thing week after yeah. week after week. And we're just lining it up, seeing the exact same thing and expecting a different result. I'm over it. I'm over it too. Definition of insanity. <laughs> Doing the same thing over and here. over again. Expect a different result. In the words of Bill Belichick, we're on to Iowa State. Man, Yay. Bill Belichick would whoop up on Iowa. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> well, he really said we're on to Cincinnati. But since we actually play Cincinnati this year, I can't say that. So we are on to Iowa State, guys. I know how much. You love Ames and playing Iowa State. <laughs> love the Cyclones. Yeah, I hate Iowa State, man. You couldn't sense my sarcasm? Well, this guys. is a, just a tough week right all now. I can't Iowa State. <laughs> it, is, it is a tough week. Big 12 play starts as we make the trip up to Ames, Iowa, or as some of my friends from University of Iowa, affectionately call it lames. Hey, guys would appreciate. Um, yeah, guys, we, we talk, obviously the quarterback situation is what it is. It's not changing. We got to get used to seeing the three guys. What I'm excited this week, though, Eve, you talked about it a lot when we since we hired Nardo about how he sort of learned his defensive style or his defensive scheme from what they did do at Iowa State with that three three five. What advantage do you think we have this week facing a defense that we practice against every day? Yeah, I think from a, uh, you know, just a rotational a schematic standpoint, it could benefit our offense. <laughs> yeah, I ain't going to lie, man. I am not even, I'm over here trying to sound optimistic, but the truth of the matter is we still got to go out there and execute. Okay. So I, I just I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be any advantage, to be honest with you, because it just it, it's all just going to come down to how we go out there and perform if we're, if we're able to actually just execute and we're able to pick up blocks um o-line as well as receivers and we're able to catch the balls that come to us especially ones that are you know wide open touchdowns uh, possibly like those things are, are going to definitely help us out but we have to execute to the t 
um, especially at the quarterback position, right? So we'll see. But, you know, it's supposed to be an advantage if it's a similar style of defense. But, you know, at this point of the season, I just don't know. Just I don't know. know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much improvement that's needed. I didn't know if you, you you played receiver, Justin. How would going yeah. into similar defense help you? Oh man, well I'm a different breed, obviously. Like these guys, you know, <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I think uh, I and let maybe let in the off season, you. if they were if they were going up against it and seeing the different looks, then maybe maybe that plays into it. But as far as, you know, preparing week after week on scout team, they're not seeing that as often, uh, at least uh, yeah, starting starting offense isn't. Um, but maybe in the offseason when you see different looks like that, you can kind of picture how it might play out. You've got, um, I think I, I heard in some of the OSU Max interviews of players, uh, Shetron maybe was talking about um, basically identifying – you know, where are the jokers at and being able to kind of play off of that position? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's still, uh, I, I just, I, it, it, it comes down to players to an extent, but it also comes down in a much bigger sense to the offensive coordinator. And if you couldn't tell by my mini rant a few minutes ago, uh, I don't have any faith that this is going to be any different. I think it's going to be, a very ugly football game. Probably it's going to make a lot of people upset. Um, but yeah, hopefully, I mean, I'm still praying that we're going to get a W because if you don't win this game, uh, I don't have very much faith that if you look at the schedule coming up, uh, it's going to look pretty bad pretty fast. Yeah, and I tell you what, man, one of the things that really stuck out from talking to Justin Blackman uh, at the game was all he paid attention to was just people's body language whenever, uh, you know, the game was going on. And he was telling me a, a story about a, a receiver that he actually trains um, in, in Oklahoma. And he was saying how, um, you know, he kind of pulled up the film with him, saw him drop a touchdown in the end zone. And how he was pouting and he was moping and he went back to the sideline. He just kind of wanted to sit by himself. And Blackman said to him, he said, man, you know how many touchdowns I dropped in the end zone? Quite a few, actually. He sort of said it. he was like quite a few. And then every single time that I did it, the first thing that I would do is run right back to the huddle, right back to my teammates. Or if it was the end of the drive, I'm running straight to the sideline. And I'm talking to my coach immediately because that's the type of stuff that is needed whenever you are a leader of the team. Like that's the type of stuff that you have to do. And you know what? Me as uh, you know, a DB on that team, I remember seeing that whenever Justin would drop a touchdown, he would sprint back immediately to say, hey, give it to me again. Give it to me again. I'm, I'm going to make up for it. So, you know, that's the type of stuff that I'm hoping to see from our team. And, uh, you know, he pointed a few guys out on our on our roster that whenever they had a bad play, you know, their body language wasn't the best. So if we can just fix that, correct that and get these guys to that championship type of mindset, that elite athlete mindset, um, you know, maybe things can look up after, uh, you know, after the fourth quarter, you know, hopefully with with a dub on, on, the, on the scoreboard. Hire Justin Blackman, body language coach. Body language coach, baby. I like that. 
I'm, By the uh, way, he, he a whole bunch of coaches like still hit him up whenever they're recruiting somebody from his area, like where they're at, because a, a lot of the people in that area, man, they hit him up on a regular basis, just like you know, asking him to come in, asking him to speak to the team, asking him to help with um, you know some player evaluation. So that was really really cool to hear about from a from a recruiting standpoint. Well, looking looking at this matchup. Uh, Good news is that we hold the edge on total yards per game. By we we've been outgaining the Cyclones by about fifty yards per game on offense. However, we've given up about a hundred yards more than they have on average on defense, which is a concern to me because they have a running back, Cartavius Norton, his sophomore. He is well. He actually. He had a season high of 59 rush yards versus Iowa, which isn't great. He only has 123 yards this season on 41 carries for an average of three yards per carry, which is like, eh, but we struggled last week against the run with Webb. And then also receiver Jaden Higgins, 6'4", 210. It's a big boy. It's a big guy. 12 receptions, 141 yards, two touchdowns for an average of almost 12 yards per catch. So he's kind of my concern. Mm -hmm. Higgins in the air. uh, And then they have a really good DB as well. He's a safety, Jeremiah Cooper, 14 tackles, three interceptions, and two pass breakups this season. So we talk about not being able to throw the deep ball against South Alabama. That, to me, is going to be a really big area of focus, I'd say. Can we get Jaden Bray deep? I don't know. Gundy said that Dijon Stribling is progressing well this week. I have not heard if he definitely will or will not play after leaving South Alabama with an injury. But it looks like Jaden Bray would be next man up, and obviously Brennan Presley and uh, Blaine Green in the mix as well. Yeah, well, you know what's interesting? When you talk about how we're giving up almost 100 yards more defensively than they are, you know the old adage, you know, the best defense is a good offense. Well, the worst defense is a bad offense. So it's it's honestly kind of hard to gauge how good or bad our defense is because our offense gets off the field so quickly. So our <laughs> defense is having to spend an exorbitant amount of time actually out there on the field, which of course leads to more opportunities to give up more yards and more points. So I I, I just take that with a grain of salt because it's so hard to actually figure out what our defense is made of when, quite frankly, our offense just hasn't been that good. And to that point, Eve, like, eventually, if the offense isn't score, like, the defense can only do so much. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, the, like, the more right. they're out there, the higher chance, like, the more drives you give an opponent, the more chances they have to score. It's just simple probabilities. Yeah. So, yeah, they gave up 33 points. But to your point, our offense couldn't get it going. So they're tired. Right. They're out there. They're going, you know, like, so... I mean, you've seen some really good things. And I, I, I wouldn't even say that it was the defense who blew it against South Alabama. I don't think it was, yeah. <laughs> Just like yeah. across the board, you know, you, you have I hate I hate to call them out, but like Brennan Presley buffs a punt. Like there's just there were mistakes in all three phases of the game and that that yeah. will ultimately hurt you. So Justin, you look like you're pondering over there. No doubt. No, I mean I definitely agree. I don't I was trying to think of you know, we have very rational fans that um, they have great takes all the time. I don't think I've seen anything that people were calling out Nardo or the defense. I think that they understand what you just said. Yeah. That they're they're just under 
you know, a lot of pressure because our offense can't get things going. I think everybody knows what the problem is, except for Gundy, who's not willing to acknowledge it, I guess, or except for Dunn, or at who least doesn't understand right. that you need to get the ball in your playmaker's hands. Yeah, it's, you know, the biggest mystery is I'm always thinking in my head, man, how was Gundy talking to the team about this? Because if there's one thing that I know from being in those team rooms and being in the locker room is that this, what he would tell the media was not always necessarily what he would tell us. Right? That's true. As, as football team. So I'm always just, you know, thinking to myself, what could he be saying to the team? Is he, is he lighting them up right now? Or is he doing the same approach that he's done with us a couple of times where he turns that chair around backwards and he sits down and yeah. he tries to have that, you know, that, that, that pawpaw moment with them. So I, I, I don't know what it sounds like in there, man, but hopefully I hope that it's, it, it's more of a lighting them up kind of deal. Yeah. yeah. Might as well. I mean, if you light them up or if you don't, it sounds like, I mean, if you, if you don't win, you guys are going to be jumping in the portal regardless. So why hold back? Guys, some some encouraging stuff on the defense. I'm kind of scrolling through stats right now as you're chatting. And, you know, Colin Oliver is starting to emerge, yeah. be a play. I don't want not emerge. I mean, we know he's a good football player. He was defensive rookie, like freshman of the year his in 2021. So, but he kind of was quiet last season. And I think we're getting back to freshman year Colin Oliver right now. I mean, he's already up to 20 total tackles this season, three games in. Guys, last season he had 28, and in 2021 he had 29. Yeah. Like, that's – now, granted, in 2021 he had 11 and a half sacks and forced fumble. But in 2023 he already has two forced fumbles, and he only has one sack so far this season. But, like, we're three games in, and he's nine tackles away from matching his career high. Like, yeah, so- That's a good call-out. I didn't realize he was doing that great statistically. Yeah, but I mean, I was just good. looking up. I'm like, okay, he had, he had eleven. No, he had ten total tackles against South Alabama. Hey, look, in the words of Drake and Underground Kings, back in the day, Acura days. I was a cold dude. I'm getting back to my ways. I'm glad to see him getting back to his ways. And guys, also got to shout out Nick Martin. My interview with him is now streaming on OSU Max. Shameless self-promotion. I do not care. Fan of the kid. Nor should you. (laughs) (laughs) Go listen to my interview with Nick Martin. Great guy. Great guy. He had one tackle in 2021. He had 15 in 2022. Again, saw most of his action on special teams. In 2023, three games into this season, he has 21 tackles. Like, so I'm just... Trying to find the positives in all of this. I, I think love it. our defense, like our linebackers, let's go, guys. Yeah. Meg, I just appreciate you being our light in the darkness right now because we need it. Thank you. Listen, usually I am a realistic <laughs> Rhonda and I am, you know, I, I would not be this positive. But I believe in OK State because I, I believe in this team. I do. I think the coaching needs to be better and set these guys up for success because the talent is freaking there. It is there. Yeah. Give Ollie the freaking ball. Use Jaden. Use Elijah. Go deep. We have the talent. Freaking use it. And O-line, yeah. clean it up. No more of this, you know, holding close to the vest BS. Like, go out and do what it takes to win a freaking football game. And you got to start now. Like, don't think that you can just hold back again because 
you know, you got a bye week coming up and you're going to prepare for Kansas State. You're not going to beat Kansas State if you can't beat Iowa State. I'm going to say it right now. So just plan to beat Iowa State and quit looking ahead and think we can hold things close to the vest. And, oh, it's going to be a genius move whenever we come out like flip a switch and everything works well. It won't work well. You got to be able to do it in games leading up to it. So I don't know what we're doing. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I had a thought and I just lost. Oh, no. The the last thought I'll say about matchups before we move on to uniform picks is, you know, I, I hate to bring them up, but I'm going to bring them up. You look at what Oklahoma is doing and they go to Tulsa and they I'm sorry, but I have a point in this. They won like 66 to seven or something. I don't need, I would need to pull up the final score, but they put up points. And to me, you know, you could look at the first three games of this season as figuring out what combinations work. That's what we attempted to do. To me, these three games needed to be statement games of, Hey, we're a really good team. We can put up points. We can do this. So now It's a very much, and Justin, you said we need to temper expectations. I don't totally disagree with that, but it's very much an uphill battle now if we want to be even in the top 25 talks, in the CFP talks, and, you know, are we in contention for a Big 12 championship now? We have to have statement wins, and that starts this week with Iowa State on the road in Ames. Hey, I'll just take wins at this point. I don't, like, CFP CFP for me is out. Uh, big Fair. championship for me. It's, it's still in play. technically it's in play. a maybe, but I don't necessarily think with a loss at home to a group of five school that has literally only beaten one other power five team in their program's history. Like they're it, like, they would let in like a four loss Alabama over OSU. Like it would just like, they're just better. <laughs> so dropped to 13 this week <laughs> after a win against South Florida. So yeah, uh, well, I was being a little bit hyperbolic but, here. Um, I will say like, yes, I definitely still believe in Oklahoma state. Yeah. I also think that it was a, maybe a sneaky advantage for us to be able to play at Arizona state to be able to like have that as a road test earlier before we go to Ames as a first road game. So I think that that plays into our advantage a little bit as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll get to game picks, but I'm kind of hinting at it already. I think we're going to end up winning. I just yeah. hope, like, I don't think it'll be a statement win. I think it'll be a kind of an ugly win, but I don't know. Yep. There's been a lot. It's been an interesting college football season, and I'm really excited just to see how it shakes out overall. Because like Florida State struggled against BC on the road. I mean, right. they were on the road in in Massachusetts, but like it's just interesting because you're like, is this team real? Is it? Is it? You know? So I'm just I'm excited to see how the whole season plays out. But on on to the fun stuff, guys. They're looking ahead to Clemson. Let's be honest. They're looking ahead. Looking ahead. Yeah, should be a good match. But is Clemson the real? I don't know. Clemson no. dropped. I don't. Know. They drop whatever. We're not we're not talking ACC teams. I'm just excited to see where this season goes, and I'm excited to get to uniform picks right now. Who did I? What did I pick? Real quick, um, first, we need to do a uniform review. Oh, uh, yes. based on what we wore. Yes. So. Sorry, sorry, Justin. You know, you could add these things to the beautiful outline that I put together. I did as we were talking, and I hope you were catching that but it's okay it's so locked in on (laughs) us that so black black orange uh also known as the boo combo uh but what did you guys think boo 
I thought you said black, black, orange. Yeah, that was BBO. It was what? No, black, orange, orange. Yeah, black, black said, orange, orange. Yeah, black, orange, BLO. Oh yeah, you said black, black, orange. Yeah, I was like, that's not what we wore. Yeah. You, you said it wrong, but it's black, orange, orange. <laughs> I, it was fine. I don't know. Yeah, I was a big fan. I mean, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, Justin, Justin, I, yeah, we were sitting, you know, I, I was telling you about it. I was like, man, I was not expecting to like it as much as I did, but you know, that that was that's a pretty dang clean look. I like, you know, my my prediction was that we were going to go all orange, so we almost went all orange, or, you know, with the black helmet. But I uh, I liked it, man. You know, the more orange that I see, you know, I'm I'm not opposed to it. So um, I didn't think that I would like it as much because my favorite color combination is black, black, orange. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I really, I really liked it. Yeah, I liked it all right, and mostly because of the helmet. Uh, I love that they got rid of the stripes and just had the logo. Yes, um, just a clean look overall. Black, orange, orange kind of gave some spooky vibes, I guess. Um, yeah, we might not see that combination for a while. It yeah, doesn't sound like yeah, we will probably not see that for a long time, unfortunately. I didn't not like it. I just loved our Arizona State look. So for me, it was a little bit of like a, whoo, to a, meh. it's nice. I like it. I yeah. like it. I just, I, I don't, and the brand on the helm, it just isn't my favorite logo. Like I like other logos better, like Pistol Pete or this throwback or the Curse of Cowboys. So I, again, I very, very solid look, but we have very high, a very high bar with what our combos can be. Yeah. I like the brand. Um, I brand, brand is my favorite, and I feel like if you just stick with the brand and you want to swap out different colors, and that's cool. Um, Curse of Cowboys, maybe for a special occasion, but give me the brand almost all the time. I yeah, love it. I love the brand. I do love well, the brand. This week, what do I have? I went on the road. Yeah, so obviously it's going to be white, but I'm doing black, white, black with the black numbers. We have not seen the black numbers yet, so I think that yeah. it's a white jersey with the black numbers. I'm doing black and black with Pistol Pete. I'm just going to guess Pistol Pete on the helmet every week until he's actually on it. I know, right? Yeah, it's like it's <laughs> bound to happen sometime. It's coming, it's coming guys. Yeah, we I'm do going like all white. That's going to be my prediction. Yeah, I, I, yeah we, didn't, we didn't wear that for Arizona State, which I thought was a missed opportunity, but that uniform still looks so dang good, so it doesn't even matter. But I think we go all white uh, with the pistol P on the helmet. Oh my gosh, that's my that's exactly my prediction. Um, I would say Meg, I do like your prediction. I think it would look awesome, and I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see it later on the season. Um, we do like to wear black helmets versus Iowa State, so I feel like that's a good call. But I'm also looking ahead a little bit, maybe cheating a little bit by thinking about the upcoming game against Kansas state where it'll be a blackout. Mm. And so I'm thinking, okay, well that game will probably be black, black, black. So I think we'll offset that this week by going all white. And I'm going to go with the orange numbers on the Jersey. And yeah, I thought as well, same thing, Pete mm. on the helmet, because it's just mm. a matter of time before we wear a Pete helmet might as well be now. Yeah, I don't think we go all black next week, but we'll save that for next. Week. You don't think we're going to go all black yeah. for the blackout? blackout. For the blackout? No, I don't think so. But okay, well, what color okay. numbers do you think? Orange or black? I think we go black jersey numbers with the all so white. Just oh, so we do have a different combo then. Because I'm going with black. You're going with orange? You're going with black. I'm going with orange. Yeah, sorry. No, you're fine. I'm literally updating the Google Doc 
with our predictions <laughs> in this. Uh, so if Justin is the only one to have ever not have ever, to have gotten a uniform right this season, and that was week one. And uh, yeah, so uh, I just wow. I, it's fun to see. I also like to look back so I can see what we've worn. So I'm like, oh, we wear that again. Will we not wear that again? So yeah. we'll see you on Saturday. Yeah, and maybe now, someday you'll have a spreadsheet like Justin has. And, uh, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be that devoted, but it goes um, back a couple decades. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have the time. So anyway, <laughs> moving on to uh, he's three and zero, Mister three and zero. Come on, Bix. Who's he take? Who's he take? No hesitation. No hesitation at all. None whatsoever. He was just like. Straight to Iowa State. He did not even pretend to. Yeah, he didn't even glance at the orange and black. Just yeah, he just was like, "Nope, that's what I'm doing." So he he went with the Cyclones, and you know what? I'm not going to question him because he predicted right last week. So who am I to judge him when he's undefeated? So so then who do you who who do you have then, Meg? If you're not, I I think we're going to bounce back. I think it's probably going to be an ugly game. But I, I'm taking the Cowboys 21-17 over Iowa State. Yeah. Yeah, my prediction is yeah, not, not too dissimilar. I think it's going to be a game where something weird is going to have to happen on special teams or we're going to have to get a safety on defense. Like something like that is just going to happen or we're going to have to force a safety. Um, but I think that we win the game ultimately 19-17. to 17. <laughs> What? Yeah, nineteen. How are we going to get to nineteen? You get to nineteen, so fourteen, and then you get uh, the safety, and then we score a field goal. Yeah, there you go. Something no, strange is going to happen. Yeah, I was before you picked Justin. I was doing my pregame research as I do every week to make our rundown, and I was I look at like some um like betting websites and get their stuff, whatever. And oh, like Iowa State players. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Pew, pew. Shots fired. But no, a site had that as the final score as well. You've 1917. Oh, oh wow. for real? Nice. <laughs> for real. Yeah. So you're not crazy because some betting website had that. Love it. Just you know what's you know what's kind of sad to think about? Like we went on this massive losing streak to end the year, but we had one win thrown in there and it was Iowa State. And now I'm wondering if that was even a legitimate win. Like they could have just thrown it because they were betting it. Wow. <sighs> all right. Hey, all take right. the shots, man. I ain't mad at you. Take all the shots. Uh, that being said, I still believe in OK State and probably be an ugly low scoring game. So I'm going 17 to 10. Wow. I think that they probably would get a touchdown just by like a pick six. Um, I don't think their offense can do really anything. Uh, at least I hope not. And then, yeah, 17 on the road. I don't think we're going to be able to score a lot of points until they prove me otherwise. And right. I also – I think I saw that it was going to be kind of inclement weather. I think we might be we're, – we're going to be forced to hand off the ball to Ollie Gordon and put the team yeah, on your back. Could, back. That could work uh, out to our benefit. Yeah, it might work out to our benefit. Run the damn ball. <laughs> so blindside. Run Maybe. the dang ball. Uh, yeah hey until they show us different we can only go off of what we've seen so yeah those are our predictions right there well 
guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast presented by Bet Online. Like, share, subscribe, comment, rate, review, all of the things. And of course, believe in OK State. We believe in you guys. You we believe. You can bounce back. Thank you again for listening. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.